Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 66 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 117 of WrestleTopia continues. Happy Wednesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW continues. And last night was NXT 2.0 going down live from the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. And we are apparently two weeks away from a brand new quarterly show called spring breaking with two major title matches on the line which i'll get to shortly but it's a random show coming out of nowhere but i do love the theme shows every four to six weeks to get people ready for the next takeover adjacent event hopefully in your house and or the great american bash sometime in june on peacock and i love the fact that these theme shows give us great matches that we can look back on and say damn nxt 2.0 did that which segues into last night's show which i felt was too busy for me it was a lot going on a lot of matches thrown out of nowhere and I wasn't feeling it necessarily and I just want this show to calm down a bit not be so jam-packed for two hours and let segments breathe quality over quantity Less is more is always my approach when it comes to all things professional wrestling as we kick things off with the brand new NXT Tag Team Champions, the Pretty Deadlies, Kit Wilson and Elton Prince. And they're bougie, they're beautiful, and they brag about their win last week as they went through four other tag teams. Let's keep it real. They beat one tag team in the form of Julius and Brutus Creed, and they wore out a very tired tag team to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Just like they accomplished the same feat on NXT. UK and they want to bring that glamour to NXT 2.0 and that leads to Drake and Gibson from the Grizz Young Veterans making their way down the aisle and saying that you know what we would have won the gauntlet match last week we would have beat you and everybody else in that matchup to be the one standing in that ring today as NXT Tag Team Champions and they vow to change that tonight but Legado de Fantasmas, Alexa Lopez, alongside Cruz del Toro, formerly known as Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde, say, oh, no, 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 no. We got dibs in the tag team titles first. And they get into a fight with Drake and Gibson. And both teams are wearing very nice tailored suits. Pretty Deadly says, see ya. Y'all handle this on your own. And the two finely dressed teams brawl backstage. And Braun Breaker jumps up the barricade, gets in the ring to call out Joe Gacy because Gacy still has Rick Steiner's WWE Hall of Fame ring and Gacy has apparently hacked the production truck at NXT 2.0. He appears on the big screen and he tells Braun Breaker to find him somewhere in the PC and his face is projected on the big screen and the side screens at the PC and then a thousand Joe Gacy's laughing maniacally at us and I am so over this bullshit. It's politics gone wrong in 2022 and we have poor Braun Breaker on this can mouse chase all throughout the show as he's running around backstage he listens to a recording of his father saying Bronson I'm so proud of you and it's an iPad of Gacy and Harlan holding him hostage a couple of weeks ago in that very cage and then Braun goes to find this house of mirrors in a secret room somewhere at the PC and he sees Joe Gacy's reflection in the mirror like it's Hogan seeing Warrior back in WCW and he turns around and Gacy's not there and he breaks the mirrors and shit and we'll get to the end of the show but this is just so bad joe gacy does nothing for me as a character he's a low rent cult leader he has a one note gimmick that just screams prelim guy and the fans don't care you got trolls that might cheer for joe gacy at the pc but overall this character is just dry 
as hell. He offers nothing of value and he has some talent in the ring, but it's overshadowed by this one dimensional character work. And it's sad. And I've tried to give Joe Gacy a fair shake for the last seven months. And I have not been wowed by him. He's good in the ring, but the character work absolutely sucks. Yeah, he kidnapped somebody a couple of weeks ago and, and Braun Breaker is being brought down with this bullshit storyline. And I think when you have a sure thing in Braun Breaker, you try to do everything to play into what he's great at. And that's being a badass that works at an incredibly high level in the ring for his level of experience. And the one thing we don't want to do is bog him down with the trappings of bad WWE creative. And that was on full display last night, especially during the closing segment. Next up is Tiffany Stratton versus Saray. And this was a solid match. Tiffany has gotten a lot better very quickly. Some things are still a bit mechanical. She thinks a little bit too much about the next spot, but she has improved remarkably and she's got the character down. It's toned down from being the daddy's girl, but she's more of a prissy ass kicker who I respect. And Saray did her thing per the usual as she delivered a nice German suplex into the double foot stump from the top rope for a near fall. The one natural exchange in this match was the slaps between Saray and Tiffany. I dug it. They were laying in their shit. I wanted more actually. And then we go back to the structure of the match with Saray landing that running Mr. Dropkick to Tiffany, who goes flying out of the ring. But as Saray goes for another suplex, Tiffany holds on for dear life, grabbing the ropes, and she delivers a hair whip to Saray. And she has that corkscrew twisting moonsault for the win. And it's a beautiful finisher. And Tiffany scores another big win over Saray. Good for Tiffany. I'm a bit worried for Saray at this point because she didn't transform this week, thankfully. But she lost, and I don't know if that speaks well to her future as a major player on Tupano, but I can see the WWE sees a lot of value in Tiffany Stratton, and I'm starting to see it too. I was very critical regarding her presentation early on. It was not about her necessarily. It was about how WWE was putting her out there before she was ready. But I'm going to give her credit. She has stepped up every time she's been on TV ever since. The notes have been taken. They've been applied and she has gotten so much better. The wardrobe is a step up from whatever she was wearing about a month or two ago, which is definitely growth for her. And the in-ring game has improved dramatically. So I am very happy to see Tiffany progress and improve after every single match. There are still a ways for her to go because she still thinks too much spot to spot. But once she really gets the fundamentals down, she is going to be a problem in the best possible way in the women's division on 2.0. She's got something. I see it. And once she realizes her true potential, she is going to be a star on the main roster in the not too distant future. Next up is Grayson Waller versus Sangha. And Sangha was fired by Grayson Waller via social media last week after they failed to win the gauntlet match to win the NXT Tag Team titles. And Sangha was pissed off at Grayson Waller. He chased him down from the backstage area all the way to the main stage. And he grabs Grayson Waller and he bills him halfway across the ring at least half a dozen times. The fans chant one more time. And Sangha listens and gives the people what they want and they love him for it. At one point, Grayson Waller tries to clip the knees of Sangha, but Sangha gets right back up and delivers an elbow drop to the back of Grayson Waller. He goes for a choke slam, but Grayson Waller is able to sneak out the ring. Sangha catches Grayson on a dive to choke slam him, but Grayson Waller avoids it and he shoves Sangha face first into the ring post, which sets up the rolling stunner through the ropes. 
by Grayson to Sangha for the win. And Sangha eating losses and tag team matches to LA Knight and now to his former boss is not exactly the most encouraging sign for his future. But I like the fact that Grayson Waller is racking up wins and being protected as one of the more over heels on the show. And the fans are begrudgingly respecting the hustle, which might turn him into a babyface sooner rather than later. Next up is a good old Phantasma's Cruiser Tiro, formerly known as Royal Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde versus Gibson and Drake. And Joaquin Wilde is a one-man show doing some nice double teamwork against Gibson and Drake hitting a Rana and an arm drag at the exact same time to the Grizzly Young Veterans. At one point, Drake does get the hot tag from Gibson and he launches off the back of Gibson to knock off Cruz de Toro from the ring ropes in a pretty sweet spot from there. The heels work over Joaquin Wild for a bit, but he does make the hot tag to Cruz de Toro, who takes it to James Drake in the corner. And he wants to superplex Drake, but Drake blocks it and that allows Cruz de Toro to hit him with a top rope piranha. But without him knowing it, Gibson is now the legal man and Gibson and throat chops Cruz Zotero to regain the upper hand for a bit. Wow does take out Gibson a short time later. And Raul Mendoza, also known as Cruz de Toro, hit a tornado DDT on Drake as well. Wow tries to take out Gibson with a dive on the outside, but he slips on the ropes a bit and does not clear the landing completely. But he's able to help Cruz de Toro get the win when he hits a high-low. Russian leg sweep to an enziguri on James Drake for the win as Agato picks up a key win in the tag team division. And that's a very good thing to see is they've been cheered by the fans for a very long time. And such as Escobar pretty much set the tone prior to his match against Carmelo Hayes that he was going to send a message to Tony D'Angelo that there's only one La Familia in WWE that counts and that's Legato the Fantasma and that leads to Carmelo Hayes versus Santos Escobar and this was easily the best match from last night's show I thought the work was really strong between both guys there was a few herky-jerky moments here and there but mostly this was good professional wrestling both men trading strikes kicks knees, springboard clotheslines. Carmelo Hayes is so flashy and good in the ring, but can deliver strong style when need be as well. And Trick Williams trips up Santos Escobar at ringside, which allows Carmelo to hit that springboard clothesline as we go picture in picture. We come back and we have Carmelo Hayes taking a nasty backbreaker from Santos, but he's able to lock in a single leg Boston Crab on Santos a short time later. And I love the sell job by Carmelo grabbing the back torquing the knee at the exact same time for leverage and then Santos is able to counter that into a vertical suplex for a good 20 seconds for a close near fall as well at one point both men fire up with strikes slaps forearms I loved the intensity they were showing in the corner as well when Santos lays in those punches to the side of Carmelo's head at one point he does deliver that world's greatest tope to Carmelo Hayes on the outside and he is going up top until distractions in the form of Goombas, allegedly most likely representing Tony D'Angelo as they clip him with the crowbar. Trick distracts referee long enough for Carmelo to go up top and hit that top rope leg drop on Santos Escobar for the win. I'm not a big fan of distraction finishes, but this makes sense because for the last few weeks, Escobar's been shooting down Tony D'Angelo in the parking lot and he turned down a money offering last week as well. So he basically set this in motion and D'Angelo responded in kind by having his Goombas go after Santos during the closing moments 
of this match. And I love the fact that Santos and Carmella were wearing gold ring gear last night because they want to be the gold standard for that North American championship. I love the callback from the announcer saying they really want to dress to impress to see who is truly the better man in this match. And even though Carmelo got the win via distractions, it is a win nonetheless, which sets the stage for a triple threat match in two weeks at spring break in featuring Cameron Grimes, the reigning defending North America champion versus Carmelo Hayes and Solo Sequoia as Solo laid out trick and dropped a Samoan drop on Carmelo Hayes as well before going face to face with Cameron Grimes in the ring after Carmelo gloated about his win and how he's ready to become the A champion once again. And that could be a really good match. And dare I say, this could be Solo's moment. The fans love him right now. He is the most over in this championship hunt. And if I'm at spring break and I want to see this guy win the big one to add to the Bloodlines War Championship chest. Just saying. Next up is Natalia versus Tatum Paxley. And Natalia was every bit of the ring general in this match, dictating the pace, helping Paxley along. Paxley had moments, a nice suplex here, a nice strike there, had a near fall here and there as well. But the outcome was never in doubt when Natalia cinched in the sharpshooter for the win. I do like Tatum's potential, but everything seems a little bit too practiced and choreographed. And I want those bad habits to be broken because you can practice a match all day long, but eventually it comes down to instincts to know exactly what you're doing at all times. She'll get there eventually. The mechanics are there. And if you got the basics down, there is hope for you to be a star on this show very, very soon. And Natty is the perfect person to guide her through this process. And backstage, Nikita Lyons confronts Natalia and she wants next after she gets through with the Lash Legend next Tuesday. And I got to say this for Nikita Lyons. She needs to work on her acting. The line delivery was very, very rough. She's got something, but she's got to work on emoting a bit more. And I can tell that she was losing her voice a bit as well. And if that was the case, say less words to get your point across. And this would have been a bit better, but she's got to work on line delivery. It's so important she's got the look and she's got what it takes to really make it as a star but she's got to believe in herself in terms of promo work it's a work in progress I think she'll get there but it's all about how she is scripted and at this point in the process I would say throw away all scripts speak your truth you're already over on the timeline let's make sure it's equally as apparent on the mic and in the ring as well moving forward next up is Wesley versus Ion Quinn. And Wesley has been going through it lately. And it was alluded to via a backstage interview. And apparently Zion Quinn is a guy that wants to get all of the younger guys in order for whatever reason. Like who made you the judge and jury of all things 2.0? And Wesley had a moment here and there with a nice rolling drop kick in the corner to Zion Quinn. But Quinn was simply too big, too strong for Leon this night. Every time Lee tried to mount a comeback, he got picked up and dropped by Zion Quinn. At one point, Lee got on the ropes for a springboard maneuver, but he slips in a botch, and Quinn lays him out with two nasty forearm strikes for the win. I feel for Wesley. I do think he has potential to break through as a single star. He's got a chip on his shoulder right now to make it on his own, and I have full faith he can do that. Maybe this is the next he's way of telling that story. In a natural way, we'll see. But Wesley is too talented to be squandered on 2.0. And here's hoping NXT has a plan for him in the months to come. 
Next up is the NXT 2.0 debut of Roxanne Perez, also known as Roxy from Ring of Honor versus one half of the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Jesse Jane. And this match was solid. Roxanne has a world of potential. She's very good for her level of experience. She takes a nasty boot to the face by Jane early on, but they do roll around the ring for a bit, trading near falls. And as Jesse Jane is in position to win this match, Wendy Chu appears on a big screen as she crashes the Toxic Attraction Lounge. She tears apart the sofas and the posters, and that leads to Roxanne hitting the code red on Jesse Jane for the upset win to score her first victory on 2.0. Good for Roxanne Perez. I hate it was via a distraction finish, but I am encouraged by WWE's level of faith in her to make this splash so early in her run. She is a future champion in the making. She's got it to really be a star. And I hope that she finds much success on NXT 2.0 and beyond when it comes to the main roster someday. And now it is time for our main event featuring Pretty Deadly's Kit Wilson and Elton Prince versus the surprising new tag team of Duke Hudson and Dexter Loomis. And this match was fine, but this was not a main event caliber match. But I love the potential of Wilson and Prince getting under the people's skin and Duke Hudson was really over as the babyface. He made a great babyface eye tag towards the end of this match. We had some comedy early on when Prince and Wilson went to hug Persia Parada and Andy Hartwell, and the girls were wondering to themselves, oh, our men are hugging us mid-match. They turn around, they get freaked out, but their guys grab Pretty Deadly by the hair and deliver stereo suplexes as we go picture in picture. We come back, and Dexter Loomis is being worked over by Wilson for a bit and eventually Duke gets the hot tag and he goes wild on Wilson and Prince delivering clotheslines and power slams whooping ass firing up the crowd as well and whenever Duke is ready to make the hot tag to Dexter Loomis we got Wilson at ringside pulling Dexter from the ring apron Loomis does slam Wilson into the still steps but Elton Prince is able to lay out Loomis and that allows him to boot Duke Hudson in the face to retain the NXT tag team titles this was a perfectly fine match. I do love the babyface fire from Duke Hudson, who was getting over with the people at the PC, which is not easy to do most weeks, but the outcome was never in doubt. And this did not feel like a main event match as we get to the true main event of Joe Gacy appearing on the high platform above the ring, calling out Braun Breaker. And Braun comes out. He makes his way through the crowd and confronts Joe Gacy on the main platform. And he wants his father's Hall of Fame ring back. And Joe Gacy says... If you wanted to back, all he had to do was ask, and he puts the ring in Braun Breaker's vest pocket, and he wants one thing, a shot at the NXT Championship at spring breaking, and Braun Breaker says, you got it. And Joe Gacy wants one more thing from Braun Breaker, and that is for him to take a leap of faith, and he shoves Braun Breaker off the platform, and Braun takes a heart landing on the floor. The fans gasp at this act of violence and malice from Joe Gacy, and as Gacy looks down at Braun Breaker, we have druids appear and they go after Breaker and apparently they eat him as NXT goes off the air about eight minutes after the top of the hour. What a perplexing, batshit crazy way to end the show. So Joe Gacy does have followers in the form of druids who apparently eat people now. Cannibalism is fair game on 2.0. I feel for Braun Breaker because this bullshit is ridiculous, and I was not feeling it. The Druids belong to The Undertaker and The Undertaker alone. So I guess since he's retired, they need some new line of work, and Joe Gacy was hiring. I don't know. This was lame. This was really, really hokey. 
I can only take so much supernaturalism in my professional wrestling and I've hit my wall with Joe Gacy. WWE had one week's worth of buzz when they tried to make him the overtly politically correct guy. They got some buzz from some mainstream sites for a week. They laid back, then doubled down, and now I'm just confused as to what Joe Gacy is. A cult leader he is not. A cult leader is charismatic with sexual magnetism that is able to compel anyone to do anything at any time, to fork up money and cash, to give up everything to worship in his honor, to be at his beck and call at all times, to seduce and eye fuck people with regularity. That is what a cult leader is. And Joe Gacy fits none of that. He's a warlock that loves to burn himself with other people's rings. That's what he is. He has druids he rented from The Undertaker because now he's retired. They're free to work elsewhere. That is where we are with this nonsense that I don't care about. And it's leading to a championship match at spring break-in in a couple of weeks' time. And I am in fear of the trolling Braun Breaker is going to get from a crowd that has been very split towards him as of late. I don't know what's going to happen. Will the match be good? I don't know. This will be Braun Breaker's first big test. This is not against a Tomasa Ciampa or a Dolph Ziggler or a Gunther. This is Joe Gacy who does have experience, but this is mainly a 2.0 guy from day one. What magic can they produce together to overcompensate for this hocus pocus bullshit from last night? We'll see. Can Breaker win over a highly unpredictable crowd that can sway one way or the other week to week? These are the questions we'll get answered in a couple of weeks of spring break-in. Have we jumped the shark? To be determined. My faith is wavering about this show being in a better place by June, and I'm a woman of my word, but they're not making me look good right now. If this was two months ago, I'd say, hell yeah, we are on track to having a better show almost a year into this new experiment of what developmental is, but we are on shaky ground, and I'm trying to hold on for dear life, but it's not looking good for me. But I'm going to hold on to my prediction that this show will be in a better place by June 2022, hopefully. And with that, this wraps up a pretty eh, episode of NXT 2.0, a very busy show, a bit too busy for me, but we do have some progress heading into spring break and we should be a good show on paper, but Breaker versus Gacy is going to be interesting in terms of reactions and how the match goes in the ring. Breaker has shown up big in most cases, there's been some blips here and there, but here's a chance for him to really show out against a true blue NXT 2.0 opponent in Joe Gacy. And with that, this wraps up episode number 66 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's developmental brand. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and on Instagram at Wrestleptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows that drop on the semi-daily, including Monday Night Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AEW Rampage on TNT. You know what to do. Search Wrestleptopia and follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 60 of The Dynamite Effect, recapping the highs and lows from AEW Dynamite on TBS. Until then, enjoy your hump day. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.